This is the Drive-In Podcast. Take one. Bada big, bada boom. Welcome to the 97th episode of the Drive-In Podcast. On today's episode, we have the checkup with yours truly, Dr. O, along with our trailer roundup featuring Olivia Wilde's new film, Don't Worry Darling. So use the bathroom now, grab that popcorn, and enjoy the 97th episode of the Drive-In Podcast. Howdy duty, episode 97 of the Drive-In Podcast has arrived. Shout out Connor McDavid. The NHL playoffs have arrived in the midst of the second round of the NBA playoffs. Not to mention we got a lot of great TV on, a lot of fantastic movies still, still on the horizon for us. This is Dr. O on the Horn. I'm joined as always by my co-host, the one and only Ricky Flex. Ricky Flex, I mean, we're, we're living in the peak of content right now. The peak of content that didn't have a major movie released this weekend. That was the tough part, but thankfully we had a couple of new shows and HBO is absolutely in one right now. And then sports, sports playoffs are here. So you're right. We are living in the age of content, but the peak of content right before the summertime. Love to see it. I, I, I don't know. What did you check out this weekend with no major releases here? So as I said before, and the listeners already know that I've, visited the podcast numerous times. I'm an HBO guy through and through. That is my number one network streaming service, whatever you want to call it. If HBO is making an exciting new show or returning to one of my favorites, I'm going to stay up to date with that. I crushed both Barry and Winning Time the day after they released. So on Monday when we're recording right now, Barry was fabulous. It was so good this week. Bill Hader, he's coming for that Emmy. He's coming for that Emmy. He's coming for that Golden Globe. I don't know if he's gotten it before for Barry. If not, he definitely is. I think he's on that trajectory right now. Like the 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 his descent into madness this season, already through two episodes. It's you know it's gonna come to a head towards the end of the season. But it might even like you might start seeing him going absolutely nuts. So in the middle of the season, almost like he did at the end of season two. So Barry, Bill Hader, absolutely crushing it right now. I don't know how they do it. So usually I'm all in for like the hour long episodes, HBO Sunday night. But they what they have me hyped for is a dark comedy, 30 minutes starring a former SNL star. That's yeah. what they got me going on they, right now. They have a great formula. It's just 30 minutes right after the primetime show. Right now it's winning time, like quick 30 minutes. Oh, you're going to stay on to watch Bill Hader, Henry Winkler. You know, you're going to stay on and watch those guys. So, you know, I'm with you again with the Emmy. Like the first two seasons were great. I love Barry, but like, what do you see like in a, these Oscars or like when you're trying to go get these like high critically acclaimed awards, you got to have like depth to your character and your performance. How do you do that? You add some trauma, you add like flight attendant. She was an alcoholic trying to get over that. Right. She got nominated for an Emmy, uh, an Emmy. I, her name is escaping me, but Kelly Cuoco. Thank you. Bank, Big Bang Theory, terrible show. But 
Barry, that's what they're doing here. And Barry and sorry, not Barry, Bill Hader, big part in actually writing the show. So it definitely probably wasn't incorporated with that. So now I love Barry. 30 minutes is just, it's a nice refresher. You know, we finally get a shorter show that we love. That's not just funny, but also critically acclaimed, which is nice to see. It's been a nice focus on actual Barry. You know, it's a lot of times like, uh, like Gene Cousineau played by Henry Winkler was getting a lot of the shine. Like what the heck the Fonz is back and he's starring in an absolute crusher of a show. And he's a, uh, he won, I believe, an Emmy for his work in a supporting role. But this, uh, this, uh, this season, it's his character takes a totally different turn and uh, much more serious turn than like the jovial, lighthearted guy we've come to know th- from the first two seasons. But it's more of like imp- uh, Barry's impact on his life now, even following the traumatic events at the end of season two. Uh, yeah, so I'm just I'm I'm enjoying it. Noho Hank has a lot more depth to his character as well. He's not yeah. just some guy to laugh at. So like they're giving him some substance to work with. And uh, I mean, I, I think we said it last episode. It's just one of the for our last checkup, one of the most underrated supporting characters in TV. Noho Hank, absolute electric factory, one of a kind type look and one of a time one of a kind type of character. Truly unique. The Raven. Fifty fifty with Cristobal. 50-50 with Crystal Ball, 50-50. That, that, that interrogation scene right at the beginning of the season is like, yes, I needed like Noho Hank right at the beginning of the season. I needed him make sure he's still a focal point of the show, and they did that. They carried, it, they carried it over to episode two. And it was in such classic Barry fashion where it's, it's like, oh, my God, like the cops are here. Like they're about to raid on this whole place. Like Noho Hank's like screwed. But they're like – he's like nervous because because he knows he's not gonna get caught he's nervous he's like oh will i actually be able to pull this off and like be like good in my interrogation like he's like not worried at all about the business worried about his performance about getting interrogated and like what he's wearing (laughs) it's like what that's the best that's the best that's that's no ho hank though oh i think my mic's kind of like blurring up a little bit there but uh along with barry i've been crushing winning time i know we watched the is my mic messing up for you too no no, oh, okay. Good. Awesome. Well, we crushed winning time episode nine. I mean, is there 10 episodes in this season or are we going past 10? I think it's only 10 in a season, but they didn't like give a season finale preview. So I'm a little nervous. Me too. And it makes me think that's going to go past 10, which I love, right? Give me more of the 1980s Lakers. Give me more Magic Johnson. Give me more Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, this episode I found was pretty slow. Compared to the other ones, it was a lot more heartfelt. It was like seemed like a showcase for both Sally Field and John C. Riley. We didn't get as much actual basketball that made the last couple episodes so exciting. We had the Lakers-Celtics rivalry uh, starting to be teased, and obviously we had the game that was played. Uh, but it seems like they're just speeding through the entire season. Like the Lakers-Celtics game happened like right after Christmas, and all of a sudden, like this episode – they're one week from the playoffs. So it's just like they could care less about basketball at this point. They just care more about the storylines and making sure that you are sympathetic to for or empathetic for Jerry Buss's character, Sally Field. And then uh, they try to squeeze in a little more magic cream at the end. And uh, that has me excited. But I wish I, had a little, I saw more of the, those guys in this episode. Yeah, I think this was episode eight. What? I thought it was yeah. nine. I might be wrong. No, I think it's eight. And then there's two more episodes in this season, which is kind of crazy because, like, I'm not a spoiler, but like at the end of this episode, it's the finals. So they're going to do two episodes with the finals when they just sim through 
not only the second half of the regular season, but also the like the playoffs before the finals. They just they, they didn't show any of like the rounds that they played in for like the playoffs. Like there's like yes, they yeah. win the they get a bye, they win the semis, and they won the West. And it's just like what the hell? <laughs> Come on, yeah. like we want to see some of like that, some of that magic. I know we want we want to see the finals. But it's not like they're not playing the Celtics in the finals. It's not like you want to prolong that entire final series for, I mean, a couple episodes. If it was the Celtics, I'd be like, yeah, give me all of that. But it's not as juicy of a storyline. They kind of tease it a little bit with Dr. J uh, last episode and his relationship with Magic, all right? The next big thing, how Magic was a huge fan of Dr. J. So it's going to be interesting how they write that part of the next um that that next uh that next episode and in, into the series finale but i think also this will be like the last one with basketball the next one's going to be like wrapping up everything else where it's okay pat Roz is going to become the coach it's going to be like cookie reuniting with magic and it's going to be kareem doing some type of activist activity you know you just, I, that's, I, that's, I actually will say that. you were right that was episode nine next week is the last episode of the season it is the last one yeah Okay, so they they have one episode to wrap up the finals, but I guess I don't know if they'll how much time they'll devote to magic and cookie and everything like that because that's been a, basically mentioned at least once every episode. So you got to think that's going to get wrapped up, right? And it'll be good to see because at the All Star Game two episodes ago with Dr. J and then the Sixers, like they got beat up by the Sixers, and now they're going to face the Sixers here in the finals. So that's like a nice like oh that's going to complete that arc of that story earlier. Magic Johnson coming was on so no I, i'm excited for it but uh no at the end of the day like hbo is just hitting everything on all cylinders so flight attendant season two's out i know you're not a big fan i i, I try to watch it again but i just haven't been able to finish it i'm still on episode two on season two i just not as good as the first season in my opinion but maybe i'll give another try once more episodes are out i don't know if i'll ever get to that one because i still got a I got to watch Banner of Heaven, Under the Banner of Heaven with Garfield. Oh, Still I haven't that. seen it. And The Offer. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Under the Banner of Heaven? Because that's the one I think I'm more enticed to learn about. So there's like a, I think social media is like, loves it right now. And I, I can't even tell. Like I, yeah, I agree. There's not as much buzz as like Winning Time or Barry, I would say. But again, I think that's because it's a Hulu FX show and not HBO. So I think that plays a factor in it. But I think Under the Banner of Heaven's good, not great. And the first two episodes are out. It definitely has those true detective vibes, but you could tell it's not an HBO show because it still has that FX feeling, that cable feeling a little bit where like the serious scenes, like crime scenes, there's like music playing in the background. And like, they're trying to like get you to see like this emotional Andrew Garfield, which they do, like he does well. But like at the end of the day, like the music in the background is kind of like, like taking away from the serious aspect of it which is really? like a common thing to do in like a cable tv show um and i think a lot of it as well like a lot of mormon like flashbacks not just to like other families related to the crimes but also just to like john whatever john smith or whatever that created i, I don't even know i forget <laughs> already. but literally half the episodes are like going back to the whoever created the religion i forget in utah and then like they go to Ohio and then they leave Ohio. It's like half of that's that. And then also interviewing a potential suspect, but the potential suspect interview isn't like McConaughey true detective, like where McConaughey just dominated. And that was, those are like some of the best scenes in the episode. It's more like Andrew Garfield's letting the other guy do the work. And he's just not as captivating. 
So he seems very soft spoken from the trailers. It doesn't seem like he's like uh, commanding. I guess the uh, the viewers' he's attention nice it might be a more subtle role for him. He's like he's a nice religious Mormon, right? You no. know what I'm saying? Like he's just very yeah. like by the book, cares about other people, but he's not like a McConaughey or Woody Harrelson that's gonna dominate like these suspects or like the scenes, crime scenes or anything. Yeah, I mean, how's Daisy Edgar Jones? Was she introduced in the first episode? She's good. I will say she's really good. Girl, um, I'm on the hype train. Definitely, when you watch it you realize like you, it's not the role you expected her to play here. And like what you see in the showers is definitely not you, And you figure that out immediately. Like the first 10 minutes, it's like, Oh, that's not the character I thought she was going to be in the show. So it's very interesting, but uh, no, I'm going to continue to watch. Cause like this true crime aspect of it, they did like hook me on that. So I'm still going to watch it, but like the flashbacks, I'm just not in love with very cable esque and some of the other factors that like I talked about here. It's really fascinating. What I'm interested in is obviously Garfield and Daisy Edgar Jones, but also the true crime crime aspect in that environment with Mormons around in such an innocent place, you know, where you don't expect crime to happen at a high level or such serious crimes to be committed. All right. That people are just absolutely like flabbergasted by. So I'm excited to see like I haven't read the book. I heard the book's amazing, but uh, I'm excited to see what they pull out uh, for these first couple episodes i forget one more thing on this so i forgot to say the actor that's in this that i didn't know was in this until i until i was watching the show like like so sam worthington's in this we saw for that in the i trailers. did know that yeah 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 we saw that in the trailers um the guy from peacemaker the cop that was like on murder side and peacemaker the tall also, guy, the tall, the tall, yeah. creepy dude. Yeah, and he plays this part to a T in this show. Um, he's really good. But the guy I didn't know that was in this did not. I must have missed it in the trailers. Is Wyatt Russell? No way! Oh wait, I think I saw him in a parade sequence in the trailer. Oh okay. I is, did he, not, is he like I is he it. is he like a like a town leader or something or like a he? I, I won't sorts. spoil anything. Okay. I won't spoil anything because, like, already in episodes two, like, he takes on a bigger role and he goes crazy. Like, as in, <laughs> he, he's good. I, I in this, in episode two, I was very impressed with him. I was like, let's go, Wyatt Russell. Huge Wyatt Russell fan. So that was he, awesome to see. He's the type of actor we like to see just like completely lose it, like, just get lost yes. in it and just go crazy. We saw him do that. And obviously, Falcon the Winter Soldier, he seems like he has a wild side to him that it could really be like fun to watch on screen. And it's such a, like without Garfield's subtle performance, he kind of is like the antithesis of that, where he's just like going all out. I can just see it happening. And uh, I do need that. You can't just have everyone just being so low key in a Mormon type of like community, you know? So you need that wild card. Um, he's, he's really good. Really good. N- just because of that, I'm watching the first episode. Yeah. And Sam Worthington isn't that bad either. I'm historically down on him and a lot of his work. He's Man on a ledge. Come on, Ricky. Oh, what was that show? Netflix movie um, that he starred in. I'm not sure. Oh, well, he was God. also in, uh, was it Gods? The, the Gods? Le- uh, what's the, go- oh, what's the Titans, Gods Clash movie? Oh, the Titans. Cla- yes, both of those. Liam Neeson as Zeus. But, like, we're yes. getting a big Sam Worthington comeback right now, right? We got this, Avatar. and then we got the Avatar 4 sequels that he will presumably be the star of. So, Sam right. Worthington. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he just cashed in on Avatar and just like, okay, I'm good. Or maybe the roles weren't coming in. I'm shocked that he didn't go from like Avatar, which is what, 2009, I want to yep. say? Yeah. 
and that's like the birth of the MCU 2008. Like he couldn't go from Avatar and jump in and play like Bucky Barnes or something. I don't know. I feel like that would have been natural. I, I feel like he thought like Clash of the Titans like was going to be his thing, right? And then he was Wrath of the Titans, right? Um, it's just weird, right? Yeah, very weird. And the one I was thinking of is uh, Fractured on Netflix, not the Ryan Gosling movie. But I haven't the seen Netflix it. movie Fractured. It's a classic. Like this movie is not very good, but like crazy twists and like fun watch oh, cool story yeah love but it yeah but yes historically i'm down on him and this i do like him in this i think he's good so so far exciting stuff and speaking of upcoming movies i think we're gonna uh hold the checkup until after the trailer roundup this week because i think what's peaking on movie twitter right now is don't worry darling that is absolutely taking the internet by storm right now uh mainly because of its young stars harry styles and Florence Pugh absolutely getting it on in front of all of the Twitter community and all of the Instagram community. And I knew this was going to be the reaction to this movie. They had a quick teaser showing them like on the bed together. You get the kitchen scene. All right. I I don't think I have to go into too much detail, but uh, we could just say Harry Styles going down on that. But here's what we're going to say. This movie is like a, it's a 1950s post-World War II, like mind-bending thriller. It's how it, that's how it appears, okay? And Olivia Wilde, this is her follow-up to Booksmart, right? A comedic, I guess, like critical smash. I think every, it was like almost unanimously yeah. loved. Definitely. So everyone was wondering what her follow-up would be. And like to go from a high school coming-of-age, like hilarious movie that draws comparisons to super bad to like a 1950s mind bending thriller. That's quite the transition. And she's starring in this movie as well. She's famously dating the male lead with Harry Styles here. So there's a lot of hype surrounding this Ricky flex. What was your initial reactions upon seeing this trailer? I, I, there's so many reactions to this. It's kind of absurd how crazy this trailer was. If anything, it showed too much i thought i think so too but i still don't get it <laughs> right it, it, it's like you get it but you don't get it because you have no idea where it's going to land but you right. kind of know the general path that it's probably going to take here um like you probably know all the, the big beats that are going to happen based off this trailer but um my initial initial reaction was this might be the hottest movie like of the year like harry styles maybe of all Lawrence time <laughs> Bue, olivia wilde chris pine jebba chan jem you're right and then you know who's in this movie? Nick Kroll and Jonah. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. the, the hottest of movie of all time, baby. When <laughs> I saw what? when I saw Jonah from Veep in here, I was like, yes, let's go. <laughs> That's the type of guy. And to see like Nick Kroll, like he looks like he's presumably married to Olivia Wilde here, while Harry Styles is the lead. That's like married to Florence Pugh. Like I was thinking, like the real life implications. Like, what is Olivia Wilde doing? She's On directing. Set. She's directing, and she's sub- subjecting herself to have a relationship with Nick Kroll. I mean, what are we doing? This is like just watching, telling Harry Styles to go down on Lawrence Pugh. This is like ridiculous. But this is like the opposite of when like Joseph Gordon-Levitt directed his first film with Don John and just made sure he had a relationship with Scarlett Johansson (laughs) and then Julianne Moore. Instead, Olivia Wilde's like, okay, well, I got, I got to really build up the hype for my new movie. Let's cast Harry Styles. I'm gonna actually have a relationship with Nick Kroll. (laughs) That's just a three that is just nuts out nuts out um yeah but continue initial thoughts anything else you immediately took away um i have a bunch of other things but i guess just my other big takeaway before i let you take the reins is that my 2022 most anticipated movies of the year draft it's looking pretty good now i i like this trailer 
I did like it. Me too. I think, I think it did get some hate a little bit on Twitter just because of what we talked about with, with uh, showing a lot. And also Harry Styles wasn't necessarily like a predominant figure in this. It was more Florence Pugh's movie. That scared I me think, a little bit. Right. People were thinking that this was going to be like Harry Styles lead, but no, this is definitely more Florence Pugh. And that makes sense. She's the, she's the one, like one of the hottest, uh, like trendy actor actresses right now in Hollywood actors in Hollywood right now. So it makes sense why she would carry a movie. She has the recognition and also the experience to do that. So it makes sense. So I'm really excited. I like my pick so far. Hopefully it turns out well. Yeah. Before I get into the actors, I guess my initial reaction, it felt like, I mean, Olivia Wilde doesn't really have her own style yet. Like, you know, she, Mm. like she had, she made a comedy. Now she's going into this, like, mind bender so it just makes me think the the type of vibes i was getting she made comparisons to like inception i believe fight club and then something else right it was something absurd like it was absolutely the greatest movies of all time iconic movies but the feelings i got from here were more like a jordan peele movie you know where everything looks perfect right appears a certain way right almost has like a black a black mirror episode feel to it and uh I, w- I didn't see what those Inception vibes were. Maybe we got to wait for like the actual movie and the futuristic aspects. But I also got like the 1950s post-World War II like cult feel for this movie. And, and I'll use this as a segue to go into the performances that I'm expecting here. Chris Pine. I love this for our guy. I love this for our guy. I know Ricky Flix is a huge, maybe Come the number on, one baby. fan for Chris Pine. That's our, um, what's his name? Star Trek. That's our Captain, Captain Kirk. Kirk. That's our Captain Kirk. So it's been so long since we had a Star Trek movie. I forgot the main character's name. Uh, you, never, you, knew, you would never do that, but it's Luke Skywalker, by the way. Um, I do want to say, <laughs> I do want to say that I, I felt like his role, it feels very similar to, it's like a clash between like Jay Gatsby with the suave, smooth look, subtle delivery. But also I was thinking of the master, Philip Seymour Hoffman what he's doing there also subtle, but also like extremely confident and oddball, but still confident in whatever he's doing. Uh, basically having everyone under his spell and then having the one person question him. It just felt like that. And like the commanding of the screen and those the type of sequences where he is, has this group around him. He's preaching in some type of ways in a party type atmosphere. I'm like, dude, this feels like the master at points. Did you get that vibe at all? No, when he's at the table and Florence Pugh's like complaining, like, we don't know anything. Like, and he goes, no, I'm interested. Like, what do you think this is? Like, please continue. Arthur like, Harrow vibes a little bit too. Yeah, he's like, Moon Knight. Di- he's like dictating the conversations, even though he's not. And he's just in total, total control, total alpha with just his mind and his like ego. <laughs> That's like such a cult personality, uh-huh. like cult leader. He's nailing it. Yeah. He's and, stylish and everyone around him is like such hey, good looking people. Like, and he he's, looks he's good too. On. He's obviously the, the older guy too, which is good for this movie if he's like considered going to be this leader of these younger people, but he still looks good. Like, my God, like this movie, this is up my alley. Like psychological thriller. You mentioned Jordan Peele vibes. I got more Black Mirror vibes, but now you're saying Jordan Peele because we don't know what we're really seeing here. Kind of we think sense, we know, right? but we don't at the same time. But you know, it's gonna have like a trick up its sleeve, and it's gonna like have you yeah. have that oh crap moment. Yeah, I was just shocked by like all like the sex scenes in this. 
They're really trying to sell you on the sex and not the story. Oh, yeah, dude. That, this, the, the, the marketing. Oh, hey, bravo to the marketing team for this movie. Oh, my God. That's, immediate, that's the, immediate viral ability just from the kitchen sequence or when you whenever you have Harry Styles without a shirt on and then you have Florence Pugh in her underwear. It's just like you're just you're begging. You're begging for people to see this movie. Right. Yeah. Young audiences are going to go wild for it. And you talk about like we were just discussing what is Olivia Wilde's style here? Like we know she's a gorgeous person herself, but this movie, it's sexy. It's sleek, even for uh, a 1950 setting where you don't think of those type of things. You think things are hidden for the most of the time. You think people are, don't act like that, that in public and they don't want people to see that. So to kind of like combat that with this movie, it's like, let's just cast like the best looking people in one of the most conservative times in U S history. <laughs> yeah no i it's, it's interesting though like book smart her acting career led her to be get into directing which she got to book smart that was like widely like you you mentioned it like accepted and now probably because of that widely acceptance she can do something that's a little more risque a little more off oh, yeah. beaten past similar to like a jordan peele where he was doing a skit show and on comedy central and then he slowly made the way to directing and got what he wanted here. And now he's one of the best directors in Hollywood. So Olivia Wilde, like similar trajectory there. This totally makes sense, I think, unless this is just like going to be a one-off thing, but I don't think so. I think she has higher hopes for her aspirations critically, such as possibly Oscars in the future Academy for her behind the scenes work. Although we are forgetting that she is in Babylon later this year. Yes. And that I've, I have a feeling like the vibes could be similar to that movie, not like the thriller aspect, but like the setting of it, sexy, sleek, you know, a lot of like gorgeous people that are involved. So, mm-hmm. no, I totally see that. Like, like this one's like, to- like, a, it's like erotica. It's, a, it's an erotic thriller. That's what it kind of looks like, you know? Yeah. I like that. I like that erotic thriller. Um, I do want to talk about Harry Styles a little bit because he is obviously of all these names here, even though the other people are like Florence Pugh, uh, even Gemma Chan, they're amazing actresses and they're huge right now in terms of notoriety by everybody. Harry Styles is arguably the biggest rock star on the planet right now. I would say it's almost like hands down. He's the biggest rock star on the planet right now. And he's getting a lead role following his work in Dunkirk. We know he's going to be a Marvel superhero. He's playing Thanos, his brother, Eros. He's got a lot going on right now. I was looking to see more of him in this trailer. And what I noticed is they were just like leaning on how good he looks. Okay. And they were leaning on that, that dance sequence. That's going to be absolute electricity where he's like standing up, sliding the feet side to side. That's what he does during his concerts. I'm convinced now he shot this movie and all those dance moves we see like in his concerts, he got while he was like shooting this movie, you know? Yeah. He's just like always standing up straight, swaying side to side, moving the feet together, getting them going. Uh, that movie, uh, that scene, I'm very excited. But it, by the lack of like dialogue he had here, and a lot of times they weren't showing him speaking, that kind of makes me concerned for like the chops he has. Are they trying to hide him a little bit? Or are they still trying to like have people come back for the next trailer and go see the movie? It's kind of like hard to tell. Mm. No, I, I don't hate that either. And we we're just talking about like widely accepted, right? You just talked about he's one of the biggest like celebrities in the world right now. And he had his like first big role. You mentioned Dunkirk. And he now he's like a superhero. He, and his superhero is like a sex superhero. So it's like, yeah. this is how he's going to get to what he wants 
which I'm assuming is he wants like critical success, but he needs to play on his strengths right now before he gets to that step, that peak. So right now he did, he, like we said, he got his, he got his breakthrough. He's doing a superhero gig and now he's leaping into the critical, not artsy farts, but critical movies here. Uh, things that could be considered for like Academy. Right. So I think this is going to be his like first like real serious like actually he comes onto the scene in this type of role and we'll see how he does I, I I do agree with you I'm a little nervous but at the end of the day when you're next to Florence Pugh and you have that sex appeal that we mentioned that's all people are going to be thinking about really Florence Pugh is probably just going to be so good and then he obviously like just sex appeal so he, that works for audiences as well I think that might mask a lot of it in this movie she's a clear star of this trailer you know for good and reason. like yeah, and it's like she's like the only one in the community that is like second guessing. Uh, that is like second guessing. Um, sorry, I just had something pop up. She's the only one out of this community that's second guessing its leader, Chris Pine. It almost has like I talked about Jordan Peele feel. You want to draw a parallel? It's like Daniel Kaluuya's character in Get Out. Obviously, different context, pro- probably here, but it just has that same type of feel. Well, that's gonna do it for. Our trailer roundup this week featuring Don't Worry Darling. You can catch it in theater September 23rd. We'll make sure to recap the next trailer and uh, see if we can get any more viral moments from Olivia Wilde's upcoming erotic thriller. Uh, let's get to the checkup. Uh, the few huge storylines. I think, Ricky Flux, we got to start with a little Fast and Furious, okay? Uh, there's, there's a couple movies where directors actually notably left uh, the helm of their movies, Justin Lin is one of them. So he's no longer directing Fast X due to creative differences. The film's production has been halted. I believe they just found a new a new director. Ricky Fox, you know who the director is? Yes, it's Louis uh, Letter, Letternier. I don't know how to pronounce it. Letternier, like a little French That's action. Right. But I know he did. Sounds right. He did The Incredible Hulk for the MCU. Yeah, I, I can roll through this list here if you want. What he's done? Oh, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. So, came out hot on the scene with a movie that actually you and I watched like a couple nights ago. The Transporter. Oh, yeah. I forgot he did Transporter. I meant to say that. Yes, yes, oh, yeah, yes. The we watched it. We watched it silent. One of the best like <laughs> silent movies. Like though, if you want to just like put it on, we talk about great movies to watch when you're pre-gaming with friends. You want our music going, get chit-chat, whatever. Put on Transporter. Great pick. And you know what else he did? The tra- Transporter 2. So he did those two, then Incredible Hulk, and then a movie, movie that we actually talked about earlier, Clash of the Titans. Oh, okay. no way. So we're getting this Fast and Furious vibe. Um, then we just get up. Then we go, now you see me. So we right. just, we didn't do that. And then he did, uh, what did he call it? The Brothers Grimms, Grimms, uh, Grimsby. You know, Shasta Barracone. Yeah. Oh, okay. So this, this guy almost seems like a perfect um, replacement for Justin Lin. It seems almost like a better fit, even though Justin Lin's done so many Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> but Justin Lin reportedly left Fast X, Fast X due to Vin Diesel's difficult behavior, right? It doesn't really shock too many people. There was a story and that, and it said, uh, I believe it was in Variety, but actually I could double check. Vin Diesel shows up late to the set, it says, and he doesn't know his lines and he shows up out of shape, end quote. I've long been on the bandwagon. I think I've, steer, I've, I've spearheaded the this, uh, this ship in saying 
Vin Diesel is not that jacked. I've said this for years upon years. I think he's the most overrated, like, buff guy in Hollywood. To me, he was a fraud. He had no right to compare himself to The Rock or even call himself a big brother to The Rock. We had that conversation, who would win in a fight? It would take, like, three Vin Diesels to take on The Rock, in my opinion. My little brother, Dwayne, the time has come. The world awaits the finale of Fast 10. As you know, my children refer to you as Uncle Dwayne in my house. There is not a holiday that goes by that day, and you don't send well wishes. He's a fraud. Time has come. Legacy awaits. Vin Diesel is a fraud, dude. He is a fraud. I think his like his reputation is absolutely tanking. It, it was like doing poorly after he like tried to go against The Rock. Like it didn't seem like the public turned against him, except people like Scotty Furious and the diehard Fast and Furious fans. But they also could credit all the a lot of the success to this franchise and its continuation to The Rock. You know, so it, this this news didn't surprise me at all. How, how did it hit you, Vin Diesel? Honestly, it did surprise me. It did. I did not think that this is like Vin Diesel's baby. And for him to disrespect people on set, not coming in shape for the finale of that, like that quote, the uh, Instagram post I just read, like he cares about this franchise. Like, why would he be doing this with Justin Lin? Someone with a long relationship with, I don't get it. it and it's like... I don't know, ego just got to him or what, but he doesn't have to be doing moves anymore. Like he is yeah, like very okay if he just retired. So there was a, this th- definitely means a lot to him. So it is surprising to me. There was another quote where it said, uh, Justin Lin reportedly said this, uh, this movie's not worth my mental health. Talking about the creative differences and like working with Vin Diesel, dude. Like, like I, I don't know what's gonna happen because like he tried to do Bloodshot, start his own superhero franchise. Like he'll just go on and he's gonna voice Groot for the last time or last two times. He's gonna have the Groot and Rocket show, I believe it is. That's gonna be on yeah, Disney like, Plus, and he's I also think it's gonna, just Groot. Like it's, Groot's I, it's oh yeah, I think it's just I am Groot. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're yeah. right, you're right. And then he's going to be the holiday special and then Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So he's going to discontinue probably his relationship with Marvel. So I don't know what he's going to do after this last Fast and Furious. Maybe he's going to insist, like, we got to keep it going, right? We got to keep it going. XXX. For the the family. Maybe I'll have to start a new family, you know, with another Fast and Furious. I think they might have had enough of them up to this point. So Jason Statham go together. Yeah. Separate spinoff. You do Jason. Oh my God. If he does one with Dom Toretto after doing Hobbs and yes. Shaw, that'd be unbelievable. Yes. I, I, if Jason Statham's in an action movie, I think it's going to be must watch and I'll even put up with Vin Diesel to watch it. Right. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm a notorious hater on the fast and furious movies. And this just fuels my arguments. Got a furious Depot award winner. Not happy right now. Not happy. Shout out the Depots. Shout out Scotty furious. I also want to talk about another director that left a major uh, major franchise movie, John Watts, known for directing the Spider-Man trilogy for the MCU. He has given up the director's chair for the upcoming Fantastic Four movie that was announced at Disney's, Disney Investors Day a couple of years ago. Uh, he wants to take a break from comic book movies, although he's still rumored to be directing the Spider-Man fourth installment for the MCU. So he's taking this small break here. Uh, Ricky Flex, who would you like to see take the reins of the Fantastic Four following John Watts's uh, absence? I don't know. Um, man, let's see. Justin Lin's available. Have... No. Um, <laughs> I don't know why, but the first name that popped up is James Mangold. 
Um, oh my god! Now, <laughs> I think he needs like the like the solo the solo superhero yeah, like outside maybe, franchise. We need Logan creativity there. Um, I can't really think of anyone on top of my head. Uh, I don't know. I think just John Watts here. I think a big story here that we're just like not a lot of people are touching on is like I think he had a quote saying that he's like he like paraphrasing here that he's kind of sick of doing comic book movies. Yeah. So he did. Yeah. So he, he said that he wants to take a break from them. Yeah. Like I totally get that. And I know we, this is a show where we're going to have a Dr. Strange 10 predictions podcast. And in the same week as a moon Knight finale recap and an MCU side characters uh, draft. So this is like literally the comic book week for us, but it's like, it is pretty inflated right now. Like Marvel's already seen their peak. And right. so kind of just like not to, gonna take a chance here and go Fantastic Four, stay on with the biggest Marvel property, the biggest like just no way home, huge success. All three Tom Holland movies, success. And he's like the director of it. So just stay at home, play it safe, do Spider-Man, don't commit yourself to anything else and leave the world open for other things. It makes complete sense here. Yeah, it just seems like it's coming. He's coming off a lot of pressure from Spider-Man No Way Home. That probably took years off his life and like the anticipation for that movie, everything coming together so perfectly in the way it did. I've still yet to watch it at home, by the way. I think I might have to purchase the movie just so I can repeatedly view it because I don't know when Sony's going to get. I mean, Disney Plus is going to get these Sony properties like these Spider-Man movies that they could put on their own streaming service. So, uh, yeah. So if he wants to take a break after having one of the most financially successful movies of all time i don't blame him i would like to see like a return to the mcu for like a john favreau i know he's busy with star wars right now yeah. and like he's good at like we like these shows he can combine well-known ip like within a franchise i would like to see him like bring a similar vibe to iron man as he would to like the fantastic four right and, like that og phase one feel and just create that and almost like give um get out of this like environment where it's just so inclusion of all these characters kind of like what like multiverse of madness is like hinting at right now just like let's get just a, a sweet fantastic four movie on their own the sequel like try and build them up or post credit build them into the mcu or something like that i would like to see him do something with those characters themselves bring in the doctor doom but favreau be like that almost like world builder within the world mm, i guess and an, i'll throw out a name here that's not going to be too surprising but they're a little busy right now but i think they, they would make time to come back to the mcu and that's the russo brothers Ooh. They, i think a fantastic four like still it's an ensemble cast i think that would be a project that they would they should be interested in or would be interested in and great man like that's probably already like wrapped up here um that's coming that comes out in july end of july there's gonna be another one a sequel but besides that like they haven't had any success outside the mcu and i'm not calling that a success that's just their upcoming project. produced everything everywhere all so, at once yeah but like directing wise directing wise yeah, yeah yeah like i think i think maybe just a quick return that get them back in the mojo here and then go from there it would be cool to see them return and like bring in marvel's first family to the mcu that would be awesome but i feel like they're also like i they need secret wars they need like the inclusion of as many characters as possible i feel like kevin feige wouldn't bring him in for fantastic four because he wants to save him for the next big team but, up you know but fantastic four is a huge property yeah it's it's That's, massive if, if like, he could pull off this movie that is an extreme accomplishment for sure fantastic four like i don't know where i would rank it but like spy if spider-man 
Captain America. It was higher than Iron Man. Before, it's higher like, than Captain MCU. America, dude. Like it's it's like X Men, Fantastic Four, and that like it's in that Spider Man, X Men, Fantastic Four. So now it's Spider Man, Iron Man, Fantastic Four, X Men. Yeah, it's just like it's a top tier Marvel property historically, but the MCU, the space four, like never actually like had them in it. So it's just shocking that John Watts would leave it first off. It, it makes sense, but like I'm still shocked that he did it. But now we're saying that Russo Bros might not want to do it. They want to save something bigger. I just, I'm like, what do you mean something bigger? Like the Fantastic Four, the Fantastic Four. I think we just come to the day and age in 2022. We've just forgotten about it. And the first two movies with uh, Jessica Alba, Chris Evans, um, it's just like people don't consider those very good. I actually don't mind them. I think they're fun and entertaining. But I can yeah, do certainly rewatchable. Second installment. Yeah, and then but you just get the second installment with Trank, and it's just un, unwatchable. Right, just tank the reputation for those characters on the big screen, and I think if they tank though, like Trank, Trank, uh, Trank tanked that movie so bad that people started to recognize like and like showed an appreciation for the older ones, even though they were trash as well. You know, it's just people were just like, yeah, this is not bad. Yeah, like cause, that's because the new one was so terrible. Um, all right, let's keep moving on with the checkup here. So Toby Maguire, let's talk about him. You brought up Babylon earlier on this episode. He's going to be playing Charlie Chaplin in, obviously, uh, Babylon. The last, last time Chaplin was like notably played on the big screen was by another Marvel superhero actor, Robert Downey Jr. Okay, what was your reaction to seeing Tobey Maguire's me playing, I mean, a tap dancing icon, silent movie icon? The Maguire sense is on. It's, <laughs> I think there's no other way to say it. I, I, I really don't. Spider-Man think, 4 after, baby. I wouldn't put anything past it. The way Sam Rami's talking about it right now on his press tour, Toby saying he would be open. Like, it's just, it's very interesting to see this. And now, granted, do I think this is going to be a significant role? No. I think this is going to be very small. I, I'm picturing this as like similar to like a Bruce Lee and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where it's like a one-time scene stealer event. Something like that. That's where I'm thinking of this. Again, I have no inside scoop on this. I'm just predicting here, gut feeling that this is not going to be a major role, but something where we're go- we'll, we'll remember leaving the theater. I 100% agree with that take because this movie I heard is going to take place over decades. And I think it's going to, it's going to start with the birth of Hollywood all the way to like the 50s or 60s, I believe I read. So to have Tobey Maguire in the beginning of this movie as Charlie Chaplin, but he's like an older looking guy. So maybe he goes on for a couple older decades. Charlie Could be that. Controversy. That's what RDJ did. He was a little, he played, he played he it all through throughout his life. Yeah, yeah exactly. And uh, I mean, if that was made today, he would have looked a lot better in that prosthetics and everything. And it's kind of brutal to look back on now. But I like seeing Tobey Maguire getting this work after taking that hiatus for such a long time. And you're right. Sam Raimi keeps talking about Spider-Man 4. I don't think it will ever happen, to be honest, just because Tom Holland, right? Miles Morales still hasn't been introduced as a live action. Toby had his moment. He had his great send off. But I mean, where Tobey Maguire stands, like we, he is our Spider-Man. We'd love to see that happen. Oh, yeah. And it's similar to like in like the NBA, like LeBron James, like saying like, oh, Mark Jackson's a great coach. And then he's like about to be hired by the Sacramento Kings. It's uh-huh. similar where like Sam Ram is like, oh, Tobey Maguire, like I would love to be Spider-Man 4. But no, like maybe he's just saying that. So he gets more work, maybe more superhero movies. And then also Tobey Maguire gets more work and bigger roles. 
that kind of makes sense too. Like I definitely see that like playing out here with his comments on this press tour, especially coming off the heels of no way home. Like, I think we're going to see more and more Toby McGuire going forward, unless like, obviously like something happens like off offset or something, you know what I mean? Right. Um, moving along with the checkup. I think there's like subcategories to this checkup. We have a, like we have release dates and that, uh, that are being swapped around. We have, prequels and sequels that are being announced and then we have new names of films right where like it's like major ip that finally have names of films we have the next name for the mission impossible movie that's going to be called mission impossible dead reckoning part one right a two-parter we know they're shooting them back to back right with tom cruise in the lead then also uh, a quiet place is getting their prequel film a quiet place day one right that's coming out and then Avatar 2 officially is titled Avatar The Way of Water. <laughs> Any takeaways from these titles? Oh, man, I actually didn't. I don't like most of them. I don't I, like the Mission Impossible one. Yeah. I like. Are we, are we going to say Ethan Hunt's going to die in this part two? Like, what are we doing here? And then, like, A Quiet Place Day 1. Okay. But um, I just, I don't, do I want to see a prequel? I don't know. I guess I will. But I'm kind of like, I don't know. I, I kind of, like, I like The Quiet Place Part 2, but now. Now that I think about it, like reflecting on it, I would have been okay just leaving it the first one as it was. I don't know. It might be a hot take. Just then, the quiet place. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and then Avatar, man, the way of water. Man, I, I know we're going to, we have to have like a Avatar, like original podcast review episode. Oh, at yeah. At some point before Return. this one. I'm not looking forward to that. Blockbuster like, battle, potentially. Avatar versus something. Hmm. First, the Hurt Locker. Remember that? No. Best picture contenders that were going against one another. We got Catherine Bigelow versus James Cameron, a husband versus ex wife. <laughs> That's all time, like in reality, blockbuster battle. battle. Yeah. But Avatar, The Way of Water. I'm just not sold on this still. I'm just not sold yet. I don't know. Yeah. Like the way of water makes me sound like Avatar just should have been, it should have been just like Avatar 2. <laughs> you yeah. know, it just should have been Avatar 2. Simple. Let's like Avatar, like simple. But I think it's just like the world is so blue. Like the water looks so beautiful. It looks like they're shooting like in Turks and Caicos and everything. You know, it's just that's what it, that's the vibe of like the movie sometimes where it's just like it's they're in paradise. It makes you think of like the last airbender and not the blue people. You're right. You're right. Oh, my God. That's a great poll. So Avatar, the way of water, you would assume assume is like you're right. The last airbender. I 100 percent agree. It's like it's how you move. Right. It's how it's what the, it's the spirits that control you. It's the nature that controls the way you move. All that jazz totally fits it. Uh, Dead Reckoning Part One. Uh, I know Mission Impossible. I do. They, they do like the two word like following Mission Impossible, like Ghost Protocol. Yeah, but Part right? One you is my, my big issue. Rogue Nation. Yeah. Like Dead Reckoning, I think stupid. I think Rogue Nation's OK. Um, Ghost Protocol. Great name. Ghost yeah. Protocol, great name. Uh, Fallout, great name. One word. Fallout was best. That sounds like a James Bond movie. Yes, but Dead Reckoning. Let's forget about the part one. Dead Reckoning. I don't want Dead associated with Ethan Hunt. I don't. And then adding part one to make it a four-word subtitle. No, <laughs> not not okay. Right. No, I I agree. The part one just makes it way too long. I'm like I'm gonna hate saying Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One. That's just too much for me to do as Ridiculous. a host here. Um. I also forgot to mention another prequel. The Hunger Games is getting a prequel. The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. It's going to release on November 17th, 2023, next year in theaters. 
I mean, I feel like the Hunger Games is one of the most slept on franchises in the oh, history yeah. of blockbusters because there are some good movies in that franchise. Um, the sequel, I think it was uh, Chasing, uh, Catching Fire, I thought was very good. Uh, the original one is decent, right? Third one, I don't really remember that well, but I think it was okay. It was uh, Mockingjay. I think that was part one and part two as well. But I feel like that gets overshadowed by like Harry Potter for some reason, like Harry Potter, for some reason, overshadows hunger games, huge book series for kids. And like twilight was in this era too. And then hunger games came right after. And in terms of IP, people are also more concerned with superheroes kind of at this point, like this is where like Avengers were coming out and everything. I think the part two for hunger games of the Mockingjay that came out in what, like 2013 or something like that. Or was he might've been even a little bit later. I'm not sure. I'm just uh, right now. I'm just trying to. Why think. do you think people forget about the, that franchise? Like, I feel like no one cares if we get a prequel. I don't. Um, I didn't. I didn't see all. I haven't even seen all the Hunger Games movies. I've only seen the original. You haven't seen like Catching Fire, dude. That no. And I and I didn't read the books either. Oh, I didn't read the books. Come on. I, I, I Harry Potter is where I draw a line. Like I, I read those, and like, I would read no other like children's story leading into a book, leading into a movie. Now that's like a, I draw a line. Yeah, I just. I don't know. I, I never got into it, man. It, I'm trying to think of a good comparison to it. Who's the name? Josh? Uh, what's his name? Hart or what? Hartnett? Or what's, who's the, the kid? Oh, Hutcherson. Hutch, Josh Hutcherson. The guy who Hutch, almost was Spider-Man. Yes. I just get bad vibes. Not, not because he's good or bad. I just feel like as for children, every time he's on the screen, like, oh, it's, That's, it's, it's Daniel yeah. Radcliffe, but lower tier. It's like yes. he is he is always for like you always picture him as like the guy in a kid's movie, just like you always picture Radcliffe as like Harry Potter. But Radcliffe, I think, is just more talented. Like Radcliffe can do other stuff, but it's just hard to shake the fact that he looks and is Harry Potter. Yeah, I just get those vibes with the Hunger Games. It's not just him, it's other people too. Um, but man, like I don't know, man. I I just never got into it. But can you guess like so there's been four hung, Hunger Games movies? I just looked this up. How much like the highest grossing one made? You don't have to say which one, but the highest one made eight hundred and fifty million dollars. So I was thinking like clo- like I was thinking over six hundred, seven hundred million. I was thinking like as a franchise, this must be a top twenty, fr- like top fifteen franchise and grossing box office. It's not even close. Like Hunger Games: Catching Fire is number one at four hundred twenty-four million. The Hunger Games is at four hundred eight million. Mockingjay is at three thirty-seven. And then my they went J-2 down to is two eighty one. So, wow. They, they just lost steam, dude. That's shocking to hear that. And the fourth, third and fourth entries, they go down that significantly. That's crazy. And like, we're saying they lost steam. Still the lowest one is $281 million at the box office pre COVID. So it's like, okay, like they definitely lost steam, but like, they're still amazing. Right. But Jennifer Lawrence, you know, and that's when she's like becoming this kind of launched her, obviously along with like winter's bone, you know? Right. But like, in all, like that's less than three billion dollars in those four movies combined. Like the thirteenth highest. Or sorry, yeah, that's right. Around, I want to say it's like even less actually. But um, like Jurassic Park franchise, it's oh five billion dollars. Oh yeah. So like it almost doubled that. I thought it'd be closer by now. So like Jurassic, like that has like the pre-existing history. Transformers, Transformers is around five billion too. Did the sequel? I I think like because like Jurassic World made a billion dollars. I think the second one made a billion dollars, dude. Yes. And that is yeah. nuts because that movie stinks. <laughs> it's that laugh movie out stinks. loud. 
funny how bad it is. It's, and it's so gonna, bad. And I, you would assume this next one with the returning cast members from the original with Goldblum, Sam Neill, Laura Dern, like it's going to cost a billion again. Probably. But it's not, it, it, it feels like that's like a hidden, like it's not seen on Twitter, the, that fan base. They're, it's a little bit older. And uh, it doesn't, because I was, I was thinking about this, like, like superheroes are super prevalent on social media. Like we see them all the time. People want to know more about those movies, but there's like Avatar. How is this next movie going to perform? You know, like it doesn't have that strong of a presence on Twitter. It's like 2008. That's when Twitter was like starting, starting to launch. A lot of social media apps starting to launch. A conversation usually is negative towards Avatar. If it is on social media saying it's overrated, it's not that good. But then again, a lot of older people loved Avatar and like that 3D aspect. They love the visuals of it. So I guess right now, right. Let's say right here now, do you think Avatar is going to make a billion dollars? Avatar 2. Yes. I think it's going to be just under a lot of money. I think it's going to be just under a billion dollars. I don't think it crosses the threshold. I think there's it's lost a little bit of steam, but then again, people are going to say this is the highest grossing movie of all time. We got to think about it this way. Like the interest of this movie of how long it's been and the hype around it, like saying like everyone hyping it up. I think people are going to go see it just to see if it's the real deal. Like me, I have no interest really, except for what I just said. I want to see if like how much the technology has advanced from that 3d age when it first came out to now, whatever we're in now. The stills look amazing as well. Like it does look like it, even more of an improvement from the original. Cause that came out in 2009. We're talking like 13 years ago. So I am, I am semi excited, but I'm just curious what the response is going to be overall. Um, any other thoughts for, I, I mentioned a couple other sequels that are coming out. This was like prequel sequel franchise city for the checkup today. The last airbender, baby. Way of water. water. Yeah. This is when they uh, maybe do a, a, a that because like, people might like younger audiences recognize more of Avatar The Last Airbender than Avatar 2009. <laughs> That's yeah, honestly probably. like like the younger audiences for this movie probably just will go thinking it's about The Last Airbender. They will have no idea that this is nothing to do with it. And they might like it. They probably will. Um, probably couple sequels in the works here. We got no dates, but a sequel to the Batman was announced. It's officially in the works. No doubt that's happening. Uh, we talked about uh, uh, Venom 3. Venom 3 is in the works at Sony. Okay, that is happening. They did not follow my advice. They did not cancel the universe. They will keep trudging on. Uh, then next, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Sequel is in the works. Were you shocked by Ghostbusters Afterlife getting the sequel? No, but disappointed is the right word. It wasn't that commercially successful, was it? No, no, no. That, that was like more during COVID, like still not in peak COVID, but still during it at some points. I, Because like Paul Rudd, I assume is going to have, yeah, he's going to be returning here. The yeah. kids are returning. Finn Wolfhard, huge right now. The girl was awesome. I don't remember her name. She was the best part of the movie. Yeah, or podcast. Remember that? Oh, the guy podcast. <laughs> 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 the character's name was podcast holy crap that movie's getting a sequel that's in, that's incredible uh, i wonder if bill murray Aykroyd are going to return and oh, uh, yeah seems like they're back 
We'll see. Uh, I want to, as we wrap up here, I do want to talk about the first look we got of Amsterdam, which is the official title of David O. Russell's new movie. We had a still that looked at Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, and John David Washington. Uh, the cast also features Taylor Swift, Rami Malek, Anya Taylor-Joy, Michael Shannon, Chris Rock, Robert De Niro, Timothy Oliphant, and Zoe Saldana. All right. But the image that came out only had the three, the big, three big names, one of the three, three of the biggest names in Hollywood, Bale, Roby, Washington. Uh, seeing John David Washington without a beard was just the weirdest thing of all time. And a cut on his cheek. Like it's definitely like it definitely I mean, we got eye patch Christian Bale looking really skinny. Right. Looking very yeah, I mean, he looks sickly. I was like, yeah. oh, my God. So and she he said that back. he's doing no more physical transformation. So are we going to see only a skinny trans uh, Christian Bale for the rest of, our, of his career? Very interesting. Where he and puts on fat suits. Yeah. And then eye patch as well. He has an eye patch. And then we got Margot Robbie with like no blonde hair cut. It's cut. Right. She has a pipe. When you, what do you think of pipes? Sherlock Holmes. Pipes? Sherlock Holmes detective. So is she the detective or is she one of the three friends? Like, what's the situation here? I have no idea, but we finally got some clarity. We got a name for the movie. We got, again, like also the three people are in front of like a sun flag. Reminds me of like a cult, a religious cult or something like that. I don't know why, but uh, and then it's like a kid drawing in the, in the corner of the poster. If you don't know what I'm talking you about. Really you really dissected this. It's David O. Russell film. He hasn't made a film in seven years. Wow. Yeah, with Joy. Yeah. And wow. David Russell. Jennifer Lawrence I, isn't I, in this movie. <laughs> did did yeah, she drop out and Margot Robbie had to go or something like that? I feel like someone I had to be drop surprised, out. But I, I wouldn't be surprised that's, that happened. But then again, like, I didn't hear that, though. I think that would be something that we would remember. There was something where Margot Robbie either dropped out and she it was a, her and Emma Stone in Babylon. That's what I'm thinking of. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But just I, I literally stopped at my tracks when I saw that picture and like Christian Bale wearing an eye patch maybe the may might be the least surprising thing from that image. Seeing John yes. David like seeing John David Washington without a beard, but like you could still still clearly see the outline of it. It's like <laughs> it looked like someone yes. just ripped off a fake beard that he had on for literal. Don't try to Photoshop it, but it was terrible. And then Margot Robbie as a brunette just feels so wrong. It doesn't. Yeah, like. Just, we just got that still of her and Barbie for Greta yeah, yeah. Gerwig's film. And she looks like, oh, my God, it's Barbie. Like, she's like, she looks perfect. And then you get her basically. I like just I don't know. She, they, they all seem unrecognizable. It's just like yeah. they like and, David O'Russell is really trying to, like, get them. I don't know. He it, it seems like those are the actors you want to look like exactly how they look. And he's just mm-hmm. like, nope, let's strip them down. All right. They're totally different people now. Let's just lean on their acting ability. Yeah. And we also got a synopsis for this movie. Did you say it? I forget. No, I didn't. I just said no, the title. But set in the 1930s, obviously from this picture, it looks like that era. It follows three friends who witness a murder, become suspects themselves, and uncover one of the most outrageous plots in American history. Just by that sentence alone, three friends who witness a murder. Are these the three friends? Again, we talked about being a detective um, because this story is centered around a murder. So maybe Margot Robbie's the detective. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> And these three cool. friends, like, it would be just weird if these three friends were friends. Because like, uh, I'll tell you now, Christian Bale did it. Yeah, he looks like he <laughs> he's wearing a yeah, goddamn eye patch. He did it. Suspect. But, um, <laughs> but then, Mr. History Guy, one of the most outrageous plots in American history, 1930s. What is it? History plots, 1930s in the U.S. or just everywhere? Well, Amsterdam. Be, You're thinking of Amsterdam. It, Amsterdam. Europe. And, yeah. 
but it's just American history and it's not. I'm thinking of like when I think 1930s Europe, I'm thinking fascism. That's all. Uh, yeah, that's I'm all thinking I think World of. War II, like getting World War II, but at, that's but 39. Great, but I was thinking like maybe 1930s, a Great Depression, like Amsterdam, New York. Like, what, what do we like Amsterdam? Like, if it's American history, maybe it's a lot. code word for something. Maybe it was yeah. like the project that, or maybe the project to absolutely, or like to the plan to assassinate somebody or kill somebody was called Am- Dutch, Project that Amsterdam was Dutch or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then the guy was maybe Dutch. Hmm. Yeah. 1930s U.S. right, coming off Great Depression, coming off Prohibition. They're mm. interesting. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I this whole movie is being slept on, and this because we didn't get any clarity of the situation. We finally get some clarity. We got some buzz with this picture because of how outrageous this is. Like, this is what we find. This is where we're getting started here. We're starting to get more buzz for these December, November, October releases or September. Don't worry, darling these award-winning movies uh, potentially in the back half of the year here. We're finally getting some trailers and some snippets of getting some clarity on it. Finally, with David O. Russell, he was the biggest slacker out of the bunch. Now we're in. I feel I'm excited about this synopsis because traditionally David O. Russell makes like arguably boring movies. Like he's a great director, but a lot of his movies are kind of boring. Like American Mm. Hustle, what was like the big, like, uh, I guess, complaint is the slowness of the movie. Joy. Didn't bring a lot to the table, honestly. Um, was, Civil Rights Playbook is but awesome. If you, but, but if you if you read the synopsis for those two movies, you would think they were fun, though. Like you, the trailer, yes, and American the cast Hustle, are unbelievable. Cat, right, you would think so. Like you would think that they would be fun, but like when you watch them, they're like, oh, it's not as the good. The fighter is not exactly like your like action packed boxing movie. It's not as much about like, right, what's right. happening in the ring. You know, he's more but about the synopsis. Like, it's a boxing he's more about like the family dynamics. That's a lot of his movies. You know, but uh, we'll see what happens here. He might be uh, trying up something different. It has been seven years. Way too long. That's going to do it for our checkup. And that's going to do it for episode 97 of the drive-in podcast. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube, which you may be watching at this moment. Make sure you subscribe to wherever you listen to your podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, the whole shebang. Follow us on social media at the drive-in podcast. Before I go, I'm going to give you a little preview of what we got this week. We got the checkup, obviously, you just listened to. Tomorrow, we have our 10 Full predictions for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Going to be a must listen if you plan on seeing that movie this weekend. All right. Huge opening. We're looking at 100, 100 plus million at the box office for Sam Raimi's new movie. Uh, then we have Moon Knight recap on Thursday, episode six finale. Finale. Will we see Oscar Isaac again? in the white suit and will we get him in the white suit in general in the finale many people are asking and then we finally have our supporting characters mcu mcu supporting characters draft dropping this thursday or this friday excuse me this friday uh in honor of this major mcu release that's gonna reportedly feature and evidently feature many old and new characters and slightly very uh some very uh variant variants okay uh that's gonna do it for episode 97 until next time we will smell you